0: This week's episode is brought to you by Warner Brothers unscripted television's The Bachelorette, the groundbreaking season for your Emmy consideration. USA Today called Bachelorette Rachel Lindsay a true queen among royals. The New York Times said Rachel was maybe the best bachelorette ever, super smart, mature, gorgeous, game, and emotionally expressive. And the Huffington Post called the show historically delightful. Consider ABC's The Bachelorette in all categories for all the right reasons. Visit WBFYC.com.
1: Hi, I'm Dominic Patton. And I'm Pete Hammond. And this is
0: the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. Today we're going to be discussing the Emmy Contenders for Best Actress in a Limited Series or Movie. Plus you'll hear my interview with Jodie Foster and Dominic's interview with Vice Principal's Walton Goggins. It's from our annual Emmy Contenders event.
1: But before we get to that, we're going to talk about Best Actress in a Limited Series or Movie. You know, last year's winner was Nicole Kidman for Big Little Lies, which they are making a season two of. Meryl Streep will be on board for that too last year's nominees almost, in fact, I can't think of any of them who are eligible this year. Nicole Kidman's not. Susan Sarandon's not for Feud. Felicity Huffman's not for American Crime. Uh, Jessica Lange's not for Feud. Reese Witherspoon's not. Carrie Coon's not. So it's a wide open field this year.
0: Brand new. Brand new group, brand new. Which is why I like this category. You know, at one time... Uh, when I was on the board of the TV Academy, they tried to knock limited series, min- miniseries at the time, and these categories off the Emmy show. They were actually sell it to HBO. That was an idea at the time. It's and because I said, why? all of
1: the limited series are on HBO, my man. Yeah. That's why <laughs> it's an in-house, but, an but in-house I think production. that it's the
0: only categories that give you different people. You just said it yourself. None of the people nominated last year will be back this year in this category, and you need that. And, and also, I'll say like. I mean, obviously, that was several years ago. What you're talking about, yeah, about the Academy, it
1: was. you know, now with Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and 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 everybody, including the Big Four, doing limited series to some extent. Right. You know, it's a it is a whole new world out there, and yes. I think I think what you're going to see is some surprises. But I always come back to because you really schooled me in this, which is that the Academy loves past winners. Yes. Or past hopefuls, at right. least very they, big contenders. They do. So I think we're going to see some of that. I think so Laura right. Dern for HBO's The Detail, yeah. who. Won won last year for Best Supporting Actress in the series for Big Little Lies. I think she's going to be a big contender. I think Elizabeth Moss, who for Top of the Lake, China Girl, which is the sequel, obviously, to Top of the Lake, obviously, Elizabeth won last year Best Actress in Drama for The Handmaid's Tale, will undoubtedly be one of the leads in that, in contenders, as we've talked about before, this year. It's all over the place. But I do think yeah. This is me, and I know there's a superstar component here, two of them actually, that you're going to love. Yeah. But for me, it's Michelle Doherty for Godless. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Because you love Downton Abbey. I love Downton Abbey. <laughs> I love I love her on Downton Abbey. Yeah. I, I felt that the choices she made post-Downton Abbey were very interesting. Yeah. Obviously, she had that series on uh, TBS, TNT, I can't remember for a little while. Um, and then now she comes up with Godless, which was on HBO, which was remarkable. I think Jeff Daniels is actually going to be in the running for this in some way too because he was in it as well. But I don't know how many people ever actually saw it because I think it came out in an odd week of all those week releases. But she was fantastic in it. And in a year when you're talking about a new discussion, a new level of discourse about the power of women, empowerment of women, equality and equity in Hollywood, a woman gunslinger,
0: Basically. Mm-hmm.
1: Can't kind of do better than that.
0: Uh, no, you know. just It's ask, Shane meets yeah. Sandra, and that's kind yeah. of good. And Westworld. Um, uh, but, you know, here's the thing. You're right on the superstar kind of thing, and I really do dig the superstars in this category. I like movie stars. You uh, love movie stars, okay? <laughs> I want to see them here. Let's uh, once again plug how Pete wants to do uh, Oscar talk. It's a, podca- <laughs> it's a podcast that we are promoting here but, before it's even started. Here's the thing. I really like, and I interviewed her uh, for Contenders, uh, and I'm sorry she hasn't gotten more traction. I think maybe because the movie's on Lifetime, and Lifetime is sort of considered a ugly chep- stepchild by the Academy, and... In, in the uh, Emmys, it doesn't do as well. Even though they turn out movie after movie, but she was awfully good, Catherine Zeta-Jones in Cocaine Godmother. In Cocaine, Cocaine. Well, godmother. I think the problem
1: is with Lifetime is is Lifetime is still stuck in what people think it shows which yeah, isn't which what it this shows this was not like, they still think oh yeah. yeah of course Lifetime they did yeah. a Harry and Meghan movie yeah. <laughs> just before the royal wedding which they yeah. did do yeah. um, which actually wasn't that bad yeah. the guy really did look like Prince Harry and I bet but, Meghan
0: Markle played herself uh, of course because of that's the kind of TV she did when she was a TV star Dude, it suits not a, <laughs> it suits not a Lifetime show waiting to happen
1: yeah um, but I think you know that's only a portion of what they yeah, do, and yeah, I think yeah. that some of the larger stuff they do, some of the smarter stuff they do, some of the wittier stuff they do, gets tremendously overlooked. I'm actually surprised, in many ways, that Catherine Zeta-Jones didn't try to move this, because yeah. she's got, obviously, the have to try to get something. Cooking yeah. Godmother was was something, if it had shown up on a different outlet,
0: yeah. way more attention. Way more, yeah, if it was on HBO, for instance. Yeah. Um, but she's awfully good in that, and Sharon Stone's terrific in her role in Mosaic, which was only six episodes. See,
1: that's, well... Six yeah. episodes I and know. an app and then yeah. other things. Other I mean, things. Yeah, I know, I, it's
0: complicated, think, but it was well-received. Is, uh, is, that that like is, that, is that your Facebook status? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Steven Soderbergh was was behind it. It's got a lot of good names. It's got HBO behind it. Uh, again, I did her at the uh, Contenders event. She is really well-liked um, by the uh, voters. She's already won an Emmy. But
1: she won for the practice, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. and,
0: uh, you know, as a guest actress. But I thought she, I think, was, I think, she, was, she was very mosaic. sympathetic in this
1: I think Yeah. Yeah, but I think Mosaic falls prey to the same leg hold trap that Cocaine Godmother does, which is nobody saw it or who did see it had to explain it so much that by the time you're like, so it was on Lifetime? But don't Lifetime show bad biographies? Yeah. Oh, so Mosaic (laughs) was a show, but it was an app. And you what? Oh, sorry, I have to go eat.
0: Like, it's so complicated. It's easier just to put her name on a ballot and then they vote for it. Sharon Stone, Catherine Zeta-Jones. This goes back to my movie star theory. They go by names. And, you know, the Academy even got in trouble for a while because people would just check off names like Ellen Burstyn. Turns out she was in... A 14 second roll on something. So they changed the rule to five minutes uh, to avoid those embarrassments where, where people are lazy. The these embarrassments
1: crunch. that can also be known as the Judy Dench syndrome.
0: Yes, the, well, that was an eight minute roll that she won an Oscar for. Now, here's the thing let's go on some of these favorite TV names like well, Edie Falco. Uh, You know, for the Menendez murders, are um, Sarah Paulson. Well, uh,
1: Sarah Paul, I mean, Sarah Paulson's won this category before. Yeah, I'm saying she's these kind of favorites that they go
0: to. Well, people love Sarah
1: Paulson, and rightly so, by the way. Sarah Paulson's incredibly talented. I do actually think that there are are two off center contenders here who could actually come in. One, and and I was not a fan of this show, The Sinner. But right. I think Jessica Biel could actually be, be a strong contender here because she, be. she really put herself out there with yeah. this. She is well-liked. Right. She is seen as someone who has worked very hard from where she started in, in the industry to where she is now. Yeah. She's also seen someone who's taken on a role behind the camera. So I think that's something which gives people a, a, lot, a, a lot greater perspective on her. The other one though, and I will say this in, a, in an industry where I think Margaret Atwood bodes well, if you can connect her to you, is Sarah Gadon. Who was Mm -hmm. in Alias Grace, which was on Netflix, which is based on a Margaret Atwood um, novel about a a woman—a woman who fantastic, yeah, fantastic—and and and I worry that a lot of people didn't. Mm It it takes place in the 19th century. It's a story about a woman who is falsely accused of a crime and kind of the telling of that story and what have you. Sarah was amazing in it, amazing in it, and again I worry. This category, i mean, you mentioned it kind of when you were talking about when the Academy thought about getting rid of it. This category is either heavy loaded with superstars. Yeah. Because it's great. You're right. Nicole Kidman. You show up for Big Little Lives. Bingo. Right. right? You're Reese Witherspoon. Bingo. Yeah. Jessica Lange, Susan Sarandon. Gang, 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 gang. But you also have an opportunity here to have some really, really interesting performances from people who are really just digging into the work. Yes. And I know that sounds really Puritan of me, and I'm not that kind of person usually, but I do think that it's like, it's a, you know, we've got six episodes, we've got nine episodes here, and we can just tell a story. Yeah. And sometimes, being a better storyteller, I, and I will take this back in my future lives, <laughs> is better than being a movie star.
0: Well, that is true, and that can, that can definitely work for someone. While we're on Netflix here, um, Black Mirror, is is very has done very well in these categories in the past it actually won the movie award yeah. uh last year and uh you have uh you know a number of actresses that are really good at rosemary dewitt you yeah know, yeah fantastic black
1: mirror is black mirror is great because i mean everybody gets to play Right? Yeah. and it's uh, like who was I like, she hi- was
0: in the Jodie Foster director yeah exactly Yeah, um, was I was awesome. talking to uh,
1: Jimmy Simpson from Westworld mm-hmm. and who was in Unsolved and he was telling me I, I bumped into him and he's, I said oh where have you been he goes I just got back from London like this morning I said what do you mean he goes I got an for a BAFTA for my role in Black Mirror yeah, see, yeah I, was I know, like, well, you know it's like, all
0: over the place yeah, so, you yeah. know these kind of anthologies that aren't really movies they're sort of but a... see how
1: does that but <laughs> why are they allowed to do that
0: I don't know I because think Black Mirror is an anthology Series, yeah. right?
1: But it it it's is a different. series. Like yeah. it's not it's not. It's we're a telling, series yeah.
0: uh, that's not connected as what we think of as a series. So it it falls in the. I the, mean,
1: they're essentially one-offs under the same yeah, umbrella. They're one-offs. Yeah. yeah.
0: But I mean, this show, for instance, uh, uh, that Jodie Foster directed uh, for them is 52 minutes. Yeah. And uh, you know, so what is that? That's not a movie, but that's the, like the one that won last year too. Okay. Before we go on to something else, Netflix had a, a series, speaking of a series, called Seven Seconds. It's not been picked up for another year. They have decided to put it in the limited series category, and they are pushing Regina King. Yeah. And Regina King has won uh, two Emmys uh, for American Crime uh, on ABC. And, um, Which, sadly, is not coming back to ABC. Uh, that's not. This is not. So they decided to take something that really was intended to be a television series and because it's not going, it's suddenly a limited series or a movie, which I think is a bit of a cheat, by the way. Well, I mean, I think <laughs> I, I, I agree with you, and I, yeah. but I but I think that the rules of the
1: Academy, which we are both members, and I yeah. suppose we could do something about it if we wanted to, or at least put our raise our hands. The the rules of the Academy are such that you're allowed to that. I don't think you should be allowed to do that. And look, no. I think we're look. I didn't. I, I there. I had issues with Seven Seconds as a TV critic. I definitely yeah. had issues with it. And there were things that were just. I don't want to say hokey but there were things that were that were very very old school big four tv as opposed yeah. to 2018 where you've got a, a being on Netflix allows you a lot of opportunities. Yeah. Nothing is to say that Regina King as the grieving mother was not awesome. Awesome, always. Awesome. And they but, love, they, the voters seem to really like and, her. And and they, and they the producers yeah. of Seven Seconds know that, and that's part of yeah. why they're playing it. But I don't yeah. think you should be able to play a card like that. Like, yeah. honestly, I don't think Black Mirror should be allowed to be in these limited series or movies. Yeah. And I love Black Mirror. Right. I think Charlie is tremendously talented. Yeah. But I just don't see how it's a limited series or movie. Right. Like, I don't. Well, it, they, it's they a need one-off. to redefine, yeah.
0: I think, this category because it's getting a lot of gray areas year after year after year. Remember the year they nominated Ashley Judd for a show that ABC. Had canceled, and they fuck so I'm gonna just throw her in the limited series and ever pretend you know that it was a, yeah. a regular network series, yeah. which is crazy. Um, I mentioned Edie Falco before. Never, never um, speaking of you know a uh, network, you know broadcast network. The Menendez brothers. Uh, murders story, Law and Order, it. True Crime. Dun, She's dun, dun, won dun, for dun, Nurse dun. Jackie. She's won for The Sopranos. She's won three times for that. You know they do love Edie Falco too. So let's throw her name Yeah, but that, but that in. show was loud. Okay, what about Haley Atwell? I mean, Howard's look, Haley,
1: Haley Atwell has has clearly become. Heard, she was in Howard's End
0: on Stars, um, which brought an Oscar to Emma Thompson. You know that is a a, a property. But, that but has, I
1: will say this: yeah. I would say, in fact, that can also be that can also be the anchor on which mm-hmm. is that it is something it's like yeah but there is a Howard's End. Right. Oh, but it's it's the book. No, yeah. there's the Emma Thompson one, right. and that's the defining one. I don't know how well seen this was. I don't yeah. know how well received it was in many senses. But right. I do I do think, I think Haley is great. I mean, she was Agent Carter from the Marvel Universe, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I don't know if she is yet at this league with okay. the kind of people we're talking
0: about. I think it's a wide open race this year. Yeah. I, I thought last year Nicole Kidman ran through the all every award she could possibly possibly win and you knew she was going to win because it was such a unique and strong role. I don't think
1: I did, any you know, of these- I, did, I remember last year when we talked about this, I did think that Jessica Lang and Susan surrendered did have a good chance. I mean, there was yeah. there were so many things in Feud and I know you wrote about it extensively and I've yeah. reviewed it and whatever there were so many things in Feud that Ryan Murphy and the gang just kind of that you know they were like this This is our Emmy scene oh, this is our totally. Emmy I mean the yeah. Oscar one was clearly the Emmy episode the, the Oscar
0: mean, show yeah. was the Emmy episode it was clearly I mean
1: <laughs> they, they were rigging that oh game. he knew that yeah. and that they was were.
0: they spent millions on yeah. that recreating that whole show I mean really building out the only Santa to Marisa.
1: have Olivia de Havilland sue their asses for yes, it Anyway, and now
0: suing again yes she's gonna just keep suing um, uh, but uh, anyway, so, so there you have it. I, 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 I don't know of anybody else that, you know, who may come up in the, at the last minute here, but uh, it, it's a, a great group of women here, uh, and I think it's anybody's ballgame.
1: Speaking of which... Anybody's ballgame, or rather anybody could be the winner of Finding Love, I believe you have a word from our sponsor.
0: This week's episode is brought to you by Warner Brothers Unscripted Television's The Bachelorette, the groundbreaking season for your Emmy consideration. USA Today called Bachelorette Rachel Lindsay a true queen among royals. The New York Times said Rachel was maybe the best bachelorette ever. Super smart, mature gorgeous, game, and emotionally expressive. And the Huffington Post called the show historically delightful. Consider ABC's The Bachelorette in all categories for all the right reasons. Visit WBFYC.com. Recently, I got a chance on my Behind the Lens series for Deadline to interview the great Jodie Foster, of course, uh, well-known actor, has been in this business for over half a century. We had a great time talking. Uh, in terms of Emmy, she's got the Black Mirror, you know, the Bla- Black Mirror episode she did, which is a uh, terrific show and really shows her directorial talent here uh, behind the scenes. And so, she's
1: going to be back on the on the front of the camera with Hotel Artemis. Which Hol- out-
0: Hotel Artemis, absolutely opening in June, and uh, so she's bringing back her acting career. She hasn't done any in five years. Concentrated on directing. We talk about all of that so check it out. You know you actually have been uh, concentrating more I think on the directing angle than the acting angle in recent years right?
2: I have yeah Yeah. but you know it's a long career. I've been doing I've been in the business for 52 years so I feel like if you just did one thing for all that time you (laughs) would be like a zombie or something so yeah yeah, uh, it's uh, it's been an amazing film school really.
0: I bet it has been, right from, you know what, it's interesting too. I see so many um, actors who grew up as child stars, you know, like Ron Howard or Fred Savage Mm -hmm. or Jason Bateman, are so many of them that turned to directing. And I'm wondering if that was that, your film school there, and you said, one of these days, I'm mm-hmm. going to be behind the camera. We're counter.
2: just the percentage that didn't become real estate people. <laughs> it's one or the other. Kind one of. or <laughs> the other, yeah.
0: But that is a, you know, considering what you... You know,
2: it's received. an amazing transition to go from directing, uh, from acting to directing, and I think it's the best one. Uh, I yeah. think it really makes for the best directors. I think actors are really the only people who know why a scene works and why it doesn't from yeah. from from behind the camp, from looking really behind a lens and really able to, able to understand what that process is. And... Um, it's uh, it's a kind of a mystery that I think only actors know. Yeah. What sparked
0: your transition? You did a Stephen King's um, a show, like in the '80s, mid '80s, or something yes, like I that. Did. Um,
2: Tales from the dark side. Tales
0: from the dark side. Well,
2: that's a funny story because yeah. I can't take credit for that. I should yeah. I, I really shouldn't take credit for it. My my good friend Bob Balaban, who's uh-huh. a director, oh, sure. actor as well, yeah. and uh, we uh, he knew that I wanted to become a director, and he was DGA. <laughs> and he needed a non-DGA person to come and co-direct with him. And so he called me up and said, how would you like to come in and co-direct this thing with me? And I said, sure. So I did every part of the process with him, but mostly I shut my mouth and learned Ah. And um, he gave me that opportunity, which I will always be grateful for. And I put him in my first movie. <laughs> really, <laughs> I did.
0: <laughs> That's great. Which your first movie was? My th- first movie was Little Man Tate. Little Man Tate, which yes. is a wonderful movie. Yeah.
2: Yes, and uh, ah. I went on to you know do other films. But I was when I was really little, I think I was about I don't know, about thirteen or fourteen. I did a short. Um, uh, they were doing a documentary on me, and they said, "We're going to give you a camera crew, and you can do anything you want. And this is this is the amount of time you do it for." So I I shot a short and. Uh, it's, it's, it was an idea that had been brewing from the time I was a small child, really from the time I was six or seven.
0: So. Wow, yeah. I, I think a lot of the films, you know, I loved The Beaver. Oh, loved thank it. you. I did. And, um, and uh, so many of them, I wouldn't call you as much a director as an auteur. You know, okay. there, it seems to me you have a, a definite feel for cinema as opposed to you know, wanting to do right. a bigger...
2: Well, that really was my goal, and that was my first love, was O2 yeah. directors uh, French Nouvelle Vague, you know, for me, that really was uh, the opus. That, that really was the what I was going for yeah. um, and what really turned me on to wanting to be a film director. So um, my goals as a director are very different than my goals have been as, a, as an actor. Yeah. You know, I really... I have very small goals as a director. I really want to make movies that are personal and true and that, that um, end up you know, asking questions that changed my life, and by extension, hopefully, that will change other people's lives. So, you know, it's, it's a big goal, and it's a small goal. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I really wasn't interested in making uh, as many, mo- as being the most prolific director in the world. I wasn't interested in, you know, winning Oscars and doing CGI films. I really just wanted to make films that, um, for really sort of personal, spiritual reasons.
0: Yeah, and you know, and you've worked with so many great directors. I mean, you know, okay. as an actor, you can start yeah. with Demi and Scorsese, and mm-hmm. you can just go down to Tony Richardson, on and yep. on and yep. on. Do you learn something each time you work with somebody like that?
2: Every single time. And sometimes mm-hmm. you learn, don't ever do that again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've also made a lot of movies with first-time directors. Um, yeah. I made Adrian Lyons' first film. Right. Um, uh, that Alan was Parker, Foxes, right? Foxes. Yeah. Uh, Alan Parker, Bugsy Malone, uh, which technically was his first film. Um, so... Uh, I, you know, I've had, it's been the best film school in the world. I, I feel like I've learned from every spectrum, you know, from somebody who's as detail-oriented and specific and controlling as David Fincher, who I really, I think I learned more from than anybody in my life, to somebody who's really more of a poet and just waits till he's in the moment to see what, what, what's gonna come of it, like Neil Jordan.
1: I have always been a big fan of Walton Goggins, and I think that, that almost anything he's in, he makes better, and he certainly made with, with Danny McBride, the two of them were killer great in HBO's Vice Principals. At our Contenders event this year, the DGA, I had a chance to sit down with Walton, literally and figuratively, and you gotta take a listen. So, I mean, Vice Principals, it was very interesting the way that Danny created this with Jodie Hill. Yeah. And you, you know, so many of us know you from your amazing time in Justified. And, and I think we can applaud that. Thank
3: you. Thank you.
1: A number of Quentin's films you've been in, lots of The Shield, lots of stuff. This, for a lot of people who knew you, was a very different turn. And you guys just had chemistry to burn. What was it like when, when Danny approached you with this idea? And, and how was your feelings of like, I'll do this?
3: Well, I, you know, I think I think for, you know, for every actor, you kind of look around and and, and you look at the landscape of other actors and you think, God, I, I would love to to work with 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 him or with her and uh, given an opportunity. I, th- I think something special could happen. And I, and I actually went in and uh, and, I, and I auditioned for a role on um, on East Mountain Down. Oh, really? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, and, okay. I, and I had I had braces, you know, at, at the time. And uh, and I walked in and they were like, it was me and five comedians from Saturday Night Live. Uh, and and I just thought, well, this is never gonna happen, like ever. Everyone here is funnier than than me. Uh, but but we had a great time, we had a really good time in in that in that meeting. And uh, and then a couple of years later, uh, while I was doing the Hateful Eight, he reached out and said, yeah, you know, I have this this role, and and um, and I, I want you to do it, man. And and I, I read them in a trailer on the side of a mountain and said, yeah, I'm in. I want to be with you.
1: Now, one of the things about Vice Principals is obviously it's you and Danny play two. I want to use the word competing, but that's such a lame term to describe what happened. But the clip gives us a little bit. You, as Russell, at one point in this, you know, things go badly. And I, I was always amazed when I looked at the finale, how it kind of reinv- reinvigorated that sense of like, why are people so, why are the politics of academia so, so sharp? And it's because the stakes are so low. Uh, yeah. Two guys who are dying to be a high school, a high school principal. Yeah. And literally, that finale, tigers and all. So I wanted to get a sense from you is one thing that was interesting about Vice Principals is it was always set to be two seasons, a limited run. For you as an actor, what kind of possibilities is
3: that open for you? Well, because you're kind of making art in a vacuum, you know, you're, you're not uh, influenced by uh, an outside perspective. You know, it doesn't like in between like a season, you're, you're not trying to uh, uh, recalibrate kind of your performance or your writing to appease an audience um, you're just on an island. and and uh, for better or for worse, this is the story that we're telling, and it's going to be finished uh, in its entirety before anyone sees it. Uh, so uh, in, in, in that way, and to be in a like a filterless uh, uh, chasm, if you will, it was it was extremely liberating. It was really, really, really cool. It was the first time that I had ever done that.
1: So thanks for listening to the Deadline Podcast TV talk. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes so you never miss an episode. And of course, you can find all of our
0: Emmy breaking news coverage at Deadline.com. Thanks for joining us. See you later.